Hello, this is the Historically Thinking Commonplace book for the week of March 10th, 2019. Apologies for its lateness. If you like these podcasts and our Wednesday conversations, please give us a review on iTunes and make it a good one. Why not subscribe also to our weekly newsletter, Notanda, by going to our homepage, historicallythinking.org, and clicking on subscribe in the menu bar. March 10th was the anniversary of two Victorian innovations that changed society. On March 10th, 1876, the first telephone call was made when Alexander Graham Bell transmitted the words, Mr. Watson, come here, I want you, to his assistant Thomas A. Watson, who was in the next door room. And on March 10th, 1880, the Salvation Army was established in the United States. It had already been founded in England by William Booth as a denomination that was also a social service organization run on a military style of organization. For more on this intersection between evangelical Christianity, the social gospel movement, and military organization, you could listen to episode 91 of the podcast, in which we talked about Wanamaker's Temple. On March 11, 1918, 107 soldiers were sick at Fort Riley, Kansas, with what may have been a precursor of Spanish influenza, a misnomer that has stuck. Within a month, the cases dwindled and the epidemic seemed to be both local and over. One theory is that some of these soldiers brought the virus with them to Europe, where it mutated, spread through the ranks of every nation's military along the Western Front and then to the civilian population of France and Britain, and then in August to Boston, which reported its first cases then. By September, the epidemic had spread to Texas and California. One quarter of the U.S. population would eventually become ill from the deadly virus, resulting in 500,000 deaths. The death toll worldwide approached 22 million by the end of 1920. March 12th is the anniversary of at least two incredibly important events in world politics. In 1930, Mahatma Gandhi embarked on his Salt March, a 240-mile march to protest the British monopoly on salt and the high tax it levied on those who purchased it. This nonviolent protest was one of Gandhi's most significant acts during the movement for Indian independence. And on March 12, 1947, in a speech to a joint session of Congress, Harry Truman argued for military and economic support to Turkey and Greece to prevent the spread of communism to those two countries. It was, for some, the moment at which the United States officially entered into a Cold War with the Soviet Union. On March 13, 1943, two events. German troops pushed into the Jewish ghetto of Krakow, killing or deporting to concentration camps thousands of men, women, and children. And on that very same day, a plot to kill Adolf Hitler failed when a bomb planted on his plane did not explode because of a faulty detonator. Speaking of assassinations, March 15th is, of course, the day of Julius Caesar's assassination. For why this event deserves to be called important, you might listen to episode 11, a conversation with classicist Barry Strauss. A number of statesmen born this week, and working backwards. March 11, 1916, British Prime Minister Harold Wilson, born in Huddersfield, Yorkshire. March 12, 1881, Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, 
born in Salonika, Greece, the founder of modern Turkey. He led the Turkish revolution following World War I, became its first president and the leader of a secularization movement which transformed Turkey. March 15, 1767, Andrew Jackson, the seventh U.S. president, born in Waxhaws, South Carolina. He gained fame as a hero of the War of 1812, victor of the Battle of New Orleans, and formed the new Democratic Party, becoming the first man from a truly impoverished background to be elected president, serving from 1829 to 1837. And March 16, 1751, James Madison, the fourth U.S. president, who deserves to be known as the father of the U.S. Constitution. During the War of 1812, Madison ignominiously fled Washington before a British attack, and which burned the White House, the Navy Yard, and the United States Capitol. And scientists born this week, Joseph Priestley, March 13, 1733, both the discoverer of oxygen and Unitarian preacher, and Albert Einstein, March 14, 1879. You know who he was. Among historians, a notable one born this week is François-Louis Ganshoff, born March 14, 1895. A student of the great medievalist Henri Perrin, Ganshoff became himself one of the leading theorists of feudalism. He was particularly careful to contextualize feudalism, seeing it not as a social movement or as a society itself, but simply a series of interlocking legal arrangements between members of the nobility. In his introduction to his book, Feudalism, he wrote, I propose to study feudalism as it existed in France, in the kingdom of Burgundy Arles, and in Germany, since these, these countries, its characteristics were essentially the same and to concentrate on the regions lying between the Loire and the Rhine, which were the heart of the Carolingian state and the original home of feudalism. Further afield, in the south of France and Germany beyond the Rhine, the institutions that grew up are often far from typical of feudalism as a whole. The excluded regions such as Crusader states, Spain, Italy, Eastern Europe, and England from his discussion. Whether right or wrong about feudalism, Ganshoff was notable and I think laudable in his insistence upon historical contextualization. We'll be talking more about historical context, its important historical thinking, to the history of medieval Italy, and whether or not discussing context prevents historians from being on TED Talks in next week's conversation with William Caffaro. And for this week, that's The Commonplace Book. Thanks for listening, right in the corner where you are. Thank you.